Hi, I'm Saul Griffith. I'm the author of The Big Switch and the founder of Rewiring Australia. I grew up in Sydney. My first job was in the steel mill in Newcastle and my second was in an aluminium smelter in Western Sydney. I moved to the US in 1998 and I've recently returned. While I was there, I enjoyed success as an inventor and entrepreneur in Silicon Valley starting technology companies. I've worked extensively with the US government, including modeling electrification of the US and global economy as the solution to the majority of our emissions. I wrote the big switch to tell the story of what Australia has to win in rapidly and aggressively tackling climate change. We've been politically lost in a culture war about what we have to lose, and we've forgotten to think about the upside for us. We are still the lucky country, and we can use that luck to lead on climate action. We have the best renewables in the world. We had good governance. We can lead the world in getting emissions to zero. We can lead the world in saving money in our suburbs and towns. We can lead the world in creating jobs and export industries in our regions. We can show by example how to make a better world for our children. Black Ink, the publisher of this book, kindly gave us the rights to read audio versions of the book ourselves. So, we've partnered with a number of legendary Australians, all of them exceptional in their fields, mostly sporting fields, to bring these ideas to a bigger audience. These are people who are no strangers to winning, and for our country and for our children, want us to win on climate as well. I thank them for reading this book with me, for you, for our country, and for our world. Hi, I'm Tom Hickey, and I'm the Ruckman for the Sydney Swans Football Club. I'm passionate about solving climate change because I have three young children, and to be honest, the future is looking pretty bleak for them unless we do something about it. I'm really interested in all solutions, and this looks like an incredible one. I'll be reading Chapter 3, Energy. Chapter 3, Energy. The energy we use in our daily lives is the main source of our emissions. Most of this energy starts its journey as coal, an innocent little black rock. We can drastically reduce our emissions by replacing fossil fuel burning machines with electric machines. These include supply-side machines, like power plants, as well as demand-side machines, like gas water heaters. These days, people's awareness of energy as an issue is driven by our concerns over climate change. Our emissions of CO2 and other greenhouse gases, including methane and nitrous oxide, are the problem. Globally, around 75% of our emissions come from energy. The other large contributors are agriculture, 11%, land use and forestry, 6%, industrial processes, 6%, and waste, 3%. Many of these other emissions are indirectly caused by the underlying use of fossil fuels to serve those sectors. Ending fossil fuels as the basis of the world's energy supply is by far the most significant thing we can do to get to zero emissions. The 20th century was so effective in developing fossil fuel infrastructure that most people are completely oblivious to the amount of energy consumed in their daily lives. When I moved to Wollongong with my wife in 2020, we passed over a rail bridge as a mile-long coal train travelled beneath. She asked, what is that? I thought everyone knew what a coal train looked like something so critical to their modern lived experience. I had to explain that sadly, the majority of our electricity comes from coal. My wife was later bewildered when walking in the bush behind our house to learn that the black rocks poking out of the ground were also coal. The country is made of the stuff. I had to remind her she'd only never seen it in the US because she'd never looked. Australians, just over 25 million of us, consume about 125 million tonnes of coal a year. That's five tonnes per year, or 14 kilograms a day each. There is nothing else in your life that you consume at this rate. And in second place is the petrol and diesel we put in our cars. It isn't obvious when we fill up our cars because we don't actually watch the precious liquid go into the tank, but each Australian household uses around 2,800 litres per year of these liquid fuels. 
which is a little more than 1,000 litres per person per year, or 2.7 litres per day. Along with your 8 cups of water a day, you also consume about 11 cups of petrol, or the average person does. In 2018, we used 1,200 kilograms per person per year, or 3.3 kilograms per day of natural gas, an energy source that is literally invisible to us. If you put on a backpack full of all the fuels you needed to get through the day as an average Australian, it would weigh about 20 kilograms. Every day we burn those 20 kilograms of fossil fuels, which turns into 60 kilograms of CO2. In this day and age, it's pretty hard to hide dead bodies, yet each of us basically hides a dead body weight of carbon every day. It is amazing that we've hidden this from ourselves for so long. Something sinister so easily achieved with a few swipes of a credit card and some auto deposits. Australia keeps relatively good energy statistics, structured similarly to those of the US Energy Information Administration, the EIA. These are published annually as the Australian Energy Update, a summary of which is presented as a Sankey diagram in figure 3.1. The supply side, where we get our energy from, is on the left, and the demand side, what we do with the energy, is on the right. The energy inputs to the Australian economy are clearly marked, and we can see the dominance of black coal and natural gas. Our heavy reliance on oil imports for transport is obvious. Imports and exports enter and leave through the top and bottom of the chart. The energy is further broken down into subcategories, transport, manufacturing, mining, residential, commercial and services, agriculture, construction, other. There's always another, the bucket where anything too hard to categorise is placed, and exports. The limitations of these categories are quickly apparent. Transportations includes activities as diverse as international air travel, international shipping, freight tracking, and household driving. Some of the energy used in transport actually provides the energy we use in the manufacturing, commercial, and residential sectors. In figure 3.2, I've created a more detailed Sankey diagram for Australia's energy flows. Immediately, one can see the absolute dominance of our exports. Energy flows in a large economy like Australia's are enormous, so they're described in petajoules, PJ. A PJ is 10 to the power of 15, or a million billion joules. In a 21,500 PJ economy, 15,000 PJ exported. Most people probably don't think a lot about energy units, and those who do probably think in kilowatt hours. A petajoule is 2.8 billion kilowatt hours. It is so many kilowatt hours that people also use the term terawatt hours. A terawatt hours is 1 billion kilowatt hours. Our huge energy exports is why the group Climate Analytics highlights that Australia alone could contribute 10% of the remaining emissions in the Paris Agreement implied carbon budget. One way to change this picture is to export a different type of energy, perhaps electricity, perhaps hydrogen, perhaps ammonia, perhaps something not yet invented. The other way, which we'll find out more about in Chapter 8, is to export our energy in a different type of crushed rock. Today we sell millions of tonnes of coal, tomorrow we could be selling millions of tonnes of our metals and ores, mined, processed and transported with our renewable energy. We'll also find out that these technologies aren't exactly working yet. There are fairly clear pathways to making zero emission steel, aluminium, ammonia and other high energy materials, but these things are unlikely to be ready to scale up until the late 2020s or early 2030s. So let's turn our attention to what Australia can do today, while we also support our scientists, engineers and entrepreneurs to do the innovation for what we need tomorrow. Domestic economy energy flows. As can be seen in figure 3.3, our domestic energy economy needs a supply of around 7,000 PJ today. This supply has met 1,800 PJ each of coal and natural gas, and around 2,400 PJ of refined oil. Electricity isn't a source of energy, it is a type of energy. Generating electricity consumes the most energy of any activity in the Australian economy, the great majority fed by coal and natural gas. 
Of the roughly 2,300 pJa of supply used to generate electricity, around 1,800 pJa is wasted as heat in thermal power stations. Moving to the demand side of the picture, where we use or demand energy, more than 1,700 pJa are used in transportation, two-thirds of that on roads, and 350 pJa in air travel. A very large portion of this is wasted in the inefficient little internal combustion engines in our cars, which are only about 20% efficient at converting energy into taking us places. Space heating, water heating, cooling and cooking are the biggest energy consumers in our buildings, be they residential or commercial, and much of this is supplied by natural gas. Our manufacturing industry is energy intensive. Similarly, mining uses huge amounts of energy, much of it to mine fossil fuels. I'm an enormous fan of Sankey diagrams, as you can probably tell. I've spent years staring at them, making them, and understanding them. You probably have cross eyes and are skipping over pages with these spaghetti charts. So in the spirit of practicality, in figure 3.3, I've drawn cartoons over the top of Sankey diagram to give you a picture of the machines underneath. Maybe you remember Keanu Reeves in The Matrix peering through the streaming numbers to see the reality behind them. When I see energy data, I think about the machines underneath and how they need to change. This is how you transform the challenge of solving climate change from a vague exercise to a concrete substitution of machines that practical people can understand. It's about the machines. On the supply side of this chart, the left is a small number of enormous machines, a few hundred power plants, a few thousand mines, some big freight rail machines, some tankers, mining trucks, and oil refinery too. Historically, the debate about energy transition and national energy plans has lived over here on the supply side with these large expensive machines. Big companies and their lobbyists make lots of noise about these machines and long capital cycles and so on and so forth. We'll look at the options for switching out all this supply side infrastructure in the next chapter. In the middle are all the means of transporting and transmitting this energy around the country. Oil and gas pipelines, freight rail for coal, transmission and distribution lines for electricity, supply chains for LPG, tanker trucks and petrol stations for our cars and trucks. A substantial amount of our energy is used in keeping the supply chain running. As much as 10% of our fossil fuels are used just to keep the fossil fuel system going. On the right hand side of this chart, the demand side, is where we, the Australian people, spend every day. Our lives are entwined with the very large number of small machines that use all this energy. Our vehicles, our air conditioners, our toasters and stoves and hot tubs and pool pumps and water heaters and Nintendos and laptops. Historically, these machines have not really been a strong part of the climate debate, perhaps because they bring us too close to the reality that we are all complicit in our energy use and emissions. These machines are all ready to be replaced. Many of them are electric already, laptops, fridges and so on. But crucially, many of the big ones still run on fossil fuel, water heaters, space heaters, cooktops and cars. This demand side is where the action is for the next decade. It is a truism that supply equals demand in the energy world. Yes, we need to swap gas turbines for wind turbines and coal plants for solar plants, the supply side, but that won't get us all the way. We also need to swap out all the machines on the demand side. Later in this book, we'll learn that we have the option to do this immediately and that the technology is ready. We'll see what will save us money and improve our lives, our environment, our air and our water. But first, to achieve this grand vision, we need to look at what our options are for generating all this energy without generating emissions.